Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about our program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, called One. And what Paul does is he goes back to four realities, if you're taking notes, four things he asked them to recollect, or so you could say four recollections of when they first met Jesus. And he wants them to think back to the time that they first became a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, these could be brand new to you. So I pray that if you don't know Christ, this would be the first experience you have of these four things. But for many of you, this is going to be a reflection. For me, it's back to the late 80s when me and my beautiful bride, Brenda, who was up doing the announcements today on the video, heard the gospel. And we walked forward together at an altar call at a church in Orange and gave our lives to Jesus. We were newly married. or Actually, I think we were still dating at that time. I think we were engaged. And we had seen each other live without Jesus. We had seen what life looked like on a shaky foundation of, of the sand of the world, if you will. And when we became believers, it was an amazing moment. I remember feeling like the preacher was speaking just to me and feeling conviction over sin and knowing, seeing my desperate need for the gospel and finding consolation in Christ. You know, the biggest consolation I needed was over my sin. I had sinned against God. I know I had broken his heart. I know I had manipulated and used others for my own selfish interests. I know that I had done things that were out of order and not right in God's sight. And I found consolation for my soul. And so did my bride. And after we uh, got saved, we began, began a journey together. And my wife would tell you, she did not marry a pastor. When we got married, I was not a pastor. But the Lord was doing a work in both of our lives and conforming us into the image of Christ. And and that has still been a work in process, but it's much different today than when we first started out. And that's the beauty of hanging in there and the beauty of sanctification is God will continue to do a good work in you. So don't lose heart. And Paul says, "I, I want you Philippians to reflect back on when you first met that love, when you first experienced that encouragement. Look at verse 1. That encouragement in Christ, that consolation, if you have a new King James, in Christ. The first word, paraklesis, is consolation, comfort, solace, specifically dealing with the refreshment that one experiences when you believe in Jesus as your Messiah, Savior. You get the ultimate consolation, That is the forgiveness of your sin. The biggest weight we bear as individuals, though you won't hear this from the world, is the guilt of our sin. And when that guilt gets dealt with and eradicated and removed from your life, it brings a consolation that I don't even know if I can put into words. But for those of you who have experienced it and you know that God has taken your sin and and from as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, that is a burden that gets lifted from you in Christ Jesus. And it is wonderful. The second thing, the recollections or realities that you experience 
is consolation of love. You know, when I heard about the love that Jesus has for me, when I heard about the love demonstrated at the cross, when I heard John 3.16 for the first time, God so loved the world. Uh, Paul put it this way, he loved me, Galatians 2.20, and gave himself up for me. When I saw my sin for what it was, and his love, how far, how deep, how uh, condescending, he was, he was willing to condescend and become a man and bear my burden at the cross. That love is better than life. And that love is the consolation of my soul. It's that love that surpasses knowledge as it's celebrated in Ephesians, I think it's chapter three. And so the love of God is so beautiful, so wonderful. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to forget that love that consolation of love. Notice the third thing, four recollections or realities. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We all share, we all participate in the life of the Spirit. I mean, I could go anywhere in the world and I have traveled, I've done some traveling and I meet a Christian anywhere on the globe and immediately we have a bond. There's some people I could only talk to through translators because we didn't speak the same language, but we had the language of heaven, if you will. We knew we were brothers or sisters, brother and sister in Christ Jesus. One big, amazing family from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, one in Christ. It's amazing. Different styles of worship. You could go to Africa, you could go to Nepal, and it's different, yet we are one in Christ. I want you to just flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a little bit back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Paul is dealing with the body and he uses the human body as a metaphor or an image to convey the thought that you belong and that we're one. And here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Even as the body, that is the body of Christ or the church is one and yet has many members, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the ear should say, if the ear could talk and said, well, I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less part of the body. Skip down to verse 20. But now there are many members but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. I was listening to the testimony of Beckett Cook, came out of the homosexual lifestyle in 2012, and uh, was brought to Christ through a church called Reality LA. He met some believers in Hollywood. They had Bibles on the table. They were doing a Bible study. He was interested, so he asked them about what they were doing, and then he said he asked them the $64,000 question, what do you believe about a homosexual, homosexuality? They were honest with him, but loving at the same time. And they invited him to the church. And he said he couldn't believe it, but the next Sunday he found himself at Reality LA. The rest is history. And Beckett's been a believer and, he, and the Lord's using him in amazing ways. And he talks about how 
There were three miracles that happened to him in a church service like this through prayer. And ways uh, where God just confirmed. He was praying over something and someone spoke a word to him or he needed someone to walk over to him and, and the Lord did it. Uh, just miracle kind of things. But one of the Sundays, he came forward for prayer and he said, I don't know why more people don't come forward for prayer at, in church services. He said, free prayer. Can it get any better? He said he came forward for prayer every Sunday. And he got, somebody laid hands on him and they prayed for him. And he said he was delivered that day from depression. He said he felt uh, a power, a tingling sensation, actually described it as coming through the bottom of his feet and going out the top of his head. And from that day forward, he was forever delivered from depression. Now he wanted to qualify it. And he said, you know what? It doesn't always happen that way. And sometimes God has his reasons why, you know, things don't happen immediately. But I'll tell you, this is the beauty of the body of Christ. It's not just about us singing some songs and taking in a sermon. We are one. And if I know that my foot is hurting, believe me, I'm going to take some care of my foot because I know I need my foot. It's amazing how you can hear one part of your body can be hurting that you take for granted, like a pinky or a, a toe. And oh, 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 you know it needs attention. And the point is this. We are one body in Christ, and we are to love each other and remember who we are. The last thing, if you flip back to Philippians 2, in these uh, remembrances or realities of experiencing Christ is affection and compassion. Our God is full of compassion, and that's what we experienced when we met Jesus was the compassion of God. His mercies are new every morning. They never fail. Our God is a God of compassion. And I'll, I'll tell you one more thing that JP mentioned. He was talking about the healing miracles of Jesus. And yes, many of them were signs that uh, were intended to get the gospel to people or to become a metaphor for a spiritual need that people had. But Jesus also healed because he was full of compassion. And he had compassion when he saw the people in Matthew 9, like sheep without a shepherd, scattered, downcast. He said to the disciples when the multitudes had followed him, I have compassion for the people because they've been following me for all this time and they don't have anything to eat. Our God is full of compassion. And that's why when you had the desperate need for your salvation, when you met Christ, he, he gave compassion to you. He didn't need to, by the way. He could have rejected you. But when you reached out simply and said, Lord, I repent and I believe, compassion came your way. It was compassion that called you in the first place. And so unity is around these uh, similar experiences of all of us coming to the Lord in the same way. Four recollections or realities, now four outcomes in verse 2, Philippians 2. So since this has happened, make my joy complete. You want me to be happy, says Paul, writing from prison? I want you to do these four things. Be of the same mind, number one. Maintaining the same love. United in spirit. That's the soul here, the human spirit. Intent on one purpose. Four recollections or realities. Four implications of those realities or outcomes. 
I want you to be of the same mind. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the entire Walk in Truth team and the Church of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, thank you for listening today. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for investing your time in the Word of God and letting Pastor Michael help tour you through it. If you're a first-time listener, also welcome. There's plenty of content and plenty more teaching to come. We've got a lot of stuff archived just for you to get into many more books of the Bible. Pastor Michael's vision, along with the entire Walk in Truth team, is to help equip the body of Christ so that you have a better understanding of what the Word says, and as your faith grows, you can get into your community and better talk about your faith with your friends and family and anyone else in your neighborhood. Now, as we are just halfway through the year, it is my responsibility to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. At least we would like it to be. Airtime costs quite a bit for radio, and it's worth it for us to keep this ministry going. But we could use more support from listeners like you, especially if you are a longtime listener. Could you help us with our funds to be on the radio? All we ask is for a $5, $10, $20 a month commitment from you. Please prayerfully consider doing that. And then visit walkintruth.com, click donate, and click on the station you're listening to. And just follow the prompts. That's walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, and click donate. Or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Our God is full of compassion. And that's why when you had the desperate need for your salvation, when you met Christ, he, he gave compassion to you. He didn't need to, by the way. He could have rejected you. But when you reached out simply and said, Lord, I repent and I believe, compassion came your way. It was compassion that called you in the first place. And so unity is around these uh, similar experiences of all of us coming to the Lord in the same way. Four recollections or realities, now four outcomes in verse 2, Philippians 2. So since this has happened, make my joy complete. You want me to be happy, says Paul, writing from prison? I want you to do these four things. Be of the same mind, number one. Maintaining the same love. United in spirit. That's the soul here, the human spirit. Intent on one purpose. Four recollections or realities. Four implications of those realities or outcomes. I want you to be of the same mind. Unity is the benchmark of the gospel. And so this doesn't mean that we all need to think exactly the same about everything. This has to do with the essentials of the faith or the gospel itself. We do have diversity. We don't all think the same thing about all the different topics. We don't all dress the same. That would really scare me if you all came in in (laughs) similar garb. It would be cultic (laughs) and weird, right? 
We know the diversity exists, but we are to be of one mind as it relates to the kingdom of God. Amen? We're to put on the mind of Christ. We're to have the priorities of heaven. Number two, we're to maintain the same love. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples by your love one for another. Love one another as I have loved you. So you should love one another. That's how people will know. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. But wives, before you rib your husbands, you're to love your husband as God loves you. Now you'll be working on that one for the rest of your life. All of us will be. That's why we need the love of Jesus flowing through us. That's why we're commanded to put on love in the book of Colossians, to clothe ourselves with the love of God. Now, I want you to be of the same mind, maintain the same love. We've got to maintain it. I want you to be united in spirit. The single Greek word sumsukas means I want you to be one-souled. That is, I want your souls to be so linked the true you is your soul. Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You could win the whole world, but if you forfeited your soul, it wouldn't be worth it. And I want you to be one sold with other brethren. I want you to be linked in the true you to know what life is about and what truth is about and what love is about and to be yoked up, one sold. And then finally, I want you to be intent on one purpose. And what is that one purpose? Live a life. Remember last week? This one thing. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your purpose. If you're a Christian, you have purpose. You know what it is? It's to be united to the body in the body of Christ and proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just imagine what might happen if all Christians got united around the gospel. Imagine what would happen if on the national day of prayer, all the Christian churches in Corona and Norco and Riverside, as one person, gathered and cried out to God. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about that we are one. And I will tell you, there's a song by sung by Darlene Check of Hillsong, of all things, where she talks about we're one body. We have one destiny. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. And we are endeavor, to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We might sum it up this way. Paul might say, don't forget who you are, how you were saved, that you are a product of God's grace, and now I want you to live a life worthy of that. I want you to show this visible unity to the world. I want you to be unified in mind. Not to think exact, exactly the same, but, but be on the same mission and purpose. I want you to keep the main thing the main thing. We hear that all the time, don't we? Keep the main thing the main thing. I want you to turn your eyes upon Jesus and look into his wonderful face. And the things of this earth, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This is Paul's exhortation. 
grounded in divine certainties about salvation, lived out in divine commands of oneness. Simple, but challenging. And it will get harder because verse 3 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Now, just in case you wondered, the Greek word for nothing means nothing. Just in case you were looking for a loophole. Do nothing. Now this week, I challenge you to do nothing from selfishness. Do you know what selfishness is? It's sometimes rendered strife in the original language, but it means to put oneself forward. It speaks of partisanship or fractiousness. It is self-promotion and God demotion. Hear that one more time. Selfishness is self-promotion and God demotion. Humanism at its core, which is the religion of the secular world, is me first. Everything else is second. The Christian faith says God, others, then yourself. Humanism says me, me, and me, and then maybe you if there's some leftovers. You've been listening to one, part two on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. So you can subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teaching in more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Recently, uh, we did a 633 apologetics event. You hear us talk about this quite a bit. You might ask, what is it? Well, we do special Sunday evening services to deal with topics relevant to the culture or the church culture, or both. And this last Sunday, we did the topic of the Enneagram. You say, what is the Enneagram? Well, the Enneagram has kind of morphed into something like a personality test, but it's much deeper and goes way uh, back before the last couple of decades. And in fact, the Enneagram, as we explored it on this Sunday evening and had a subtitle, The Numbers Just Don't Add Up, we saw that it really comes from the occult. It comes from the new age. It comes from those dabbling in that which is forbidden for believers, forbidden for Israel, forbidden in the Old and New Testament. And so as we talked about scriptures like guarding the flock and testing everything and making sure that we expose false doctrine that can hurt the church and even false teachers who sneak into the church like Jude verses three and four. We explored the Enneagram and looking at its origins, looking at its, uh, the fact that it just doesn't add up and, and it's, uh, it's just really not something that believers need to be messing with at all. And so, uh, in this series of minisodes, you're going to be able to understand a little bit more about the Enneagram. And if you haven't come across it, you're probably bound to come across it because I think that last count, 27 books have come out from so-called Christian publishers on the Enneagram. 
And it's really not something that Christians should be messing with. In fact, Marsha Montenegro, an ex-astrologer um, who's now a wonderful apologist for the Christian faith, called it a Trojan horse in the into the church and called it, in her opinion, the most dangerous thing that the New Age has ever uh, you know, permeated the church with. So this is something we've got to be uh, mindful of. We have to understand. We have to be on the lookout. And if we have friends that have embraced it, we need to speak to them or reason with them with gentleness and respect. And that's something we tried to emphasize in First Peter 3.15. We do, we, we gently correct, but we correct nonetheless. We speak the truth in love. So that is exploring the Enneagram. The numbers just don't add up. It's going to be something that you want to get under your belt. These mini-sodes will help you with that, help you be further equipped, which is the goal of Walk in Truth. Glad you're listening. And we want you to go check out the podcasts for Walk in Truth to see what else is on there. More content, more books of the Bible, more uh, a step closer, special topics being addressed, all there. When you search for Walk in Truth uh, on your favorite podcast app and make sure you follow us or subscribe today. Hey, tell a friend, keep us in prayer. We love you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And please remember that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. We can provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. So please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, called One. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Oh,